0: Hey, I'm Rutledge. Hey, I'm Connor. And we're Friend Stream Sports. We're real friends who talk about real sports in real time. And welcome back, Connor. How was your birthday?
1: Uh, My birthday was amazing, Rutledge. Uh, I felt I feel older. And that means two things. And uh, yeah, but I'm excited to be back. I'm excited for tonight. And I'm excited to talk some Charlotte Hornets versus Atlanta Hawks. So uh, some big NBA news. I don't know if you followed this. The Orlando Magic tried to trade away their whole team at the trade deadline. I did. I did
0: see that they tried to give away the farm, and did they ever. They are tanking for balls now. We're trying to bring back – we're trying to hope Rashad, Penny, and Shaquille O'Neal falls in the draft again. That would be – that'd be real nice. Yeah, uh,
1: tanking tanking for balls. That's one way to put it for sure. Um, you know, it's funny, my – my athletic app just kept on dinging. And I was actually sitting with a friend of mine and he goes, Orlando just traded Vucevic. I'm like, Oh wow. That's, you know, he's, he's a pretty important player. And then he goes, Orlando just traded Aaron Gordon. And then it was Orlando just traded Evan Fournier. And I'm like, good night. Or is, I yeah. are think are the magic just trying to get into the G league.
0: They're just... My notions of going and driving down to go to an, and in Orlando game, have now have now shrunk. But as we had discussed, I wasn't surprised because you and I both said they had a lot of injuries. They didn't have the roster room. They were really pinned in a corner. So I see this as a good decision for them because they didn't have much that they were going to be able to do. Oh, that's, you know, that's true, especially this
1: season. Uh, you know, with some of their key injuries, um, I was kind of hoping Orlando would trade Fournier. I don't think he is necessarily uh, all that you know, all that good of a player. Like he can't be a starting shooting guard on a, you know, a deep playoff run kind of team. That That's just kind of my opinion. But. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're right. It so. Was a big blow
1: off move. So, it, it, but speaking of, and watch this transition here, speaking of all the dust that is going to be happening this week, Rutledge, uh, there's some dust that's going to be happening on the NASCAR track. Is there not?
0: Yeah, Monday Um, Monday was the Bristol race. So Monday was the Bristol dirt race, as we talked about. Um, picked Kevin Harvick from my pole sitter. That did not do very good. Joey Logano won. And there was a lot of talk that this went okay. NASCAR hadn't raced on dirt in a long time. And Bristol sort of volunteered as they were having a lot of trouble filling the attendance for the spring race. They volunteered to um, host this race, and it went it went kind of south. So one of the problems in NASCAR had to justify through the weekend is they were having a lot of tire erosion issues that the tires wouldn't hold up. And um, I don't know if you know this, Connor, I used to race cars as a kid. I know you. we talk about you played football all the time, but that was my sort of expertise sport was driving my own race car around the track. So I took a That's lot of awesome. notes away from this whole experience. Were, were you, did you like drive the Hudson Hornet car? I did not. I drove uh, quarter midget cars, which are smaller versions of midget cars, which are famous for dirt racing. And then I also drove. I um, got an
1: eight second violation in a video game. That's that. pretty neat.
0: That's the commitment to 2K. I also drove stock cars, similar to what you'd see in like a NASCAR race. So I had experience in kind of dealing with what they did. And how
1: hot does it get in those cars?
0: So you have to wear a three-level fire retardant suit that you have to wear. So the car itself is not hot, but the the thing that will bug you down, and the, the breeze of sort of driving around will protect you. But the thing that will get you is the amount of protection that you wear. You get really mm-hmm. hot as a kid. Um, for NASCAR, if you ever watch it on TV, they have this big tube coming out of the middle of like the middle of their helmet down, and it's basically just like a ventilator fan blowing air into them. Because when you do 500 miles or 400 miles on a mile and a half track, that's a lot on your body. I always remember um, as I was racing, the feeling of relief you have as the checkered flag flies and just kind of the adrenaline and the G-forces just turn off because you got to slow down. So while, yeah. while racing cars is joked as, Oh, they just turned left. There's a lot of things that go into it mentally that you have to be thinking about.
1: Oh yeah. So one of the things you might have to think about is how many uses for a Gatorade bottle did you come up with while racing?
0: <laughs> None, but going to the bathroom before a race was a really big deal. Cause once you got in there, it was uh there was no turning it off. So definitely race day was a thought of what am I eating? When am I eating? Um, yeah, I've had a couple race sides, cheeseburgers and all that. But you definitely are going to have something that's going to sit in your stomach and not bother you. Uh, but once you get strapped down in your seats, especially when you pre-stage for a race and the track safety says you need to go, you uh, you don't get to get out. Oh, Clint and Capella uh, just Clint Capella, Capella just no. took
1: that ball out. Speaking of getting out.
0: So um, here's the sort of things of why, from my racing experience, why I think that the dirt race didn't look as successful. And why they're sort of hesitating on I don't there hasn't been a word that NASCAR is hesitating to do it again, but one of the big problems they had was tire erosion problems. And there's a couple different instances where some drivers had issues where their tires blew, especially their right rears, because of the weight and because of the special dirt tire they had to use in order to be able to competitively have grip. For if you don't know, if you race on a dirt track, you have to turn you turn the car left, but then you basically have to through the entire corner turn the car right in order to prevent it from spinning around and you can't take off too fast and it's it's pretty intense about the control you have to have. So Goodyear designed a whole different tire for this, which they did some testing and some research on, but they weren't holding up to the mileage and the distance because the cars are heavy. They weigh, I believe, I can't remember the number, but they're pretty heavy vehicles. Here's the other thing which I saw in practice and um, driver Kyle Busch did something very interesting. If you're a race car driver, you would have seen this. During practice, everyone runs in the same line because that's where the grip is. Kyle Busch during practices would actually run on the outsides of the line. Why? Because in his youth, he used to race on dirt tracks. And knowing in dirt tracks where the clay, because they made this out of Tennessee clay, where the clay gets compacted, that's where the grip is. That's where you can race. Everything else is like walking through snow. You have no chance of making that work. Kyle Busch drifted along the outsides to try to make the track bigger, so he knew that he could use it as a competitive advantage to pass. But they also had um, rain over the weekend. They were going to, instead of qualifying, have heat races, which is a very, if you're sort of a Saturday night warrior racer like I was, heat races are where you just have like a first race you get out there, and that determines placing for the final. And whoever wins the final takes the hardware and the trophies home for the night. They were going to do that, and they never got a chance to do heat races. And the truck race got rained out, and the race got moved to Monday. So if NASCAR mm. wants to do this again, it's about them taking time to make sure the track is ready to handle. Bristol's also one of the tinier tracks on the circuit, so it really made it a struggle for um, for them to really kind of make the whole thing work. So that's kind well, of what that it is, That's
1: very interesting, Rutledge.
0: Yeah, thank you. So that was, go ahead.
1: I was going to ask. So you were talking about, you were talking about like the different levels on the clay there and and trying to work through that. Um, You know, so what you're saying is uh, if you think about the racetrack, the bottom portion of the racetrack is less compact and therefore much harder to navigate and probably adding to some of the tire erosion and you needed somebody that had the experience with, the, with that to know, hey, I, I want a race where I can actually turn my car. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
0: Correct. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. The race had two red flags within the first 50 laps because the track didn't have the grip for them to race. Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin had a good segment of a race-off where they were battling for a position because, to your point, they were experienced dirt track drivers and found the grip, and then they were starting to make it hustle. But that racing that they were doing you should have seen in practice on Friday and not just in the last stage of fouling Vince Carter. You're gonna do that? Um the... uh, Cody
1: Zeller on Vince Carter. I I still think Vince Carter has the advantage.
0: <laughs> and the the last stage of the race. So um overall I think it's it's a practice thing for Nascar to do. Very historic to their roots. But we'll see if it comes back. Did you did you I mean what other kinds of surfaces could you race
1: on, right? You've got kind of asphalt and dirt I mean what 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 are what's kind of another potential if NASCAR wanted to do something different but so still now, do something than than the asphalt
0: so you kind of have to do asphalt and concrete because of the way the cars are built. That's what's gonna make that work. It's all about what the track is like, so um that's why you'll see that the second race of the year. 20 years ago, NASCAR would have maybe one or two road course races during the year. The second race of the year was Daytona's road course, which they had never done before. So NASCAR is really trying to find ways to make the experience different and get the fan to come back and watch this because they know the stereotype is we just had the same kind of race over and over and over again. So it's about what does the track look like, which is why they tried the dirt thing. That's pretty neat. Yeah, so that was that. Something else that was neat, Connor, is besides NASCAR, is last week, Anna Marie, I don't know if you know this, my wife has a superpower to where she can pick sporting event games and not know know nothing about the sporting event game and really pick successful winners. So I just kind of want to go through and tell you what the results are about all the games. So if you hit me with the game, I'll tell you what she picked and I'll tell you what the winner picked. And I think you're going to be surprised about how well she did. You talking uh, the Sweet on, on the March Madness
1: side yeah. in
0: that Sweet 16 round? Uh, on the Sweet 16. Yeah. So uh, Michigan, Florida State. Michigan, Florida State. Anna Marie, she picked Florida State on this one. She got kind of cocky, and we know that Michigan won.
1: Oh yes. All right. Next up, that was the UCLA Alabama game.
0: Uh, Anna Marie went a little cocky on this. She went Bama because she loves the South. So lost that. But Roll
1: tied. On- That's all right though. Um. Next,
0: we have Gonzaga Creighton. Uh, she picked Creighton. Not a good showing on her. She went 0 for 3, but she picked Creighton because it's fun to say.
1: <laughs> you know, that's good to know, and I'm glad that uh, we're we're here. What about USC Oregon? Uh, she picked Oregon because she liked the word the Ducks. Got it, got it. So <laughs> 0 for 4 so far. That's all right, though, if you not known anything. You
0: know, what yeah. about Baylor Villanova? Picked Baylor because that's where she, one of the places she applied to college. I appreciate she didn't go there. That Hey, I almost went to Baylor. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, if I didn't go play football at Wheaton College, uh, I would have gone to Baylor to not be a football player. I uh, know. Next up, we've Arkansas Oral Roberts.
0: She went Arkansas on this one, basically saying Oral Roberts success. Yeah, that's cute, but it's not forever.
1: A diamond lasts forever, not Oral Roberts. Correct. Uh, Neither does that layup last forever. That layup did
0: not last.
1: Uh, And then Oregon State versus Loyola
0: Chicago. She went Loyola, and I was surprised Loyola got beat the way they did, but she went Loyola because it sounds like Crayola.
1: Just like Crayola. Yeah. Uh, Next up... We've got
0: Houston, Syracuse to round out the Sweet 16. Anna Marie went Houston. She said Houston is the places a lot of people are moving to. So overall, she did really well. That's that's pretty good. I'm down. Yeah, this blows my mind. So some Sweet 16 action. What were your big takeaways from the Sweet 16?
1: You know, I think in terms of in terms of the Sweet 16, um, as I work towards my substitutions here. Uh, You know, I think that we have, as crazy as the tournament is, one of the things that I was thinking about, right, we had all these upsets and Oral Roberts and Loyola Chicago and Abilene Christian, right? Uh, You have all all the Christian schools and Catholic schools, you know, making their big runs. What do we have here? Who who advanced? Michigan advanced. You had one seed Gonzaga, which is like the team to – Uh, the team that everyone is picking against the field. They haven't had a very tough game yet. Baylor keeps winning. Uh, And then Houston, who was kind of the number three team that ESPN did with some of their rankings. So in terms of the Sweet 16, and, and as, you know, just kind of my initial thoughts were, huh, yet again, as kind of, quote, crazy as this all seems, we have a chance to have the number one and number two teams play for the national title. Everyone, everyone's kind of said Baylor and Gonzaga all along are the number one and number two teams. Uh, Gonzaga's got like all 60 or seniors because it was a bunch of, you know, returning players because they got, um, oh, that was a nasty block right there. Um, but, you know, because they were able to um, return all those players and things like that. You know, I, I think the other big storyline and would love to hear some of your thoughts, you know, was how much the Big Ten and the ACC just kind of got destroyed throughout this tournament so far. And the Pac-12 is you know, just kind of West teams are really crushing it.
0: Yeah, this has been it kind of goes to the theme I've had of this whole year, which is um, this year has definitely been different for basketball. And, you know, the teams like you, you had a great take on one of our earlier shows was don't write your bracket in with the names you're familiar with because it's just not going to work. Um, I think a good example of how we're in a different world of basketball was look at the Florida State loss. You know, they were battling through and the coin flipped us to wanting to favor them. But did they ever get beat down by Michigan? And I think it's oh, in see... Kansas, Kansas, it was their third largest loss in the history of the program. Which is kind of wild you know, if you think about that. Um, I think it is. It's good to see different programs getting to kind of make it, but kind of keeping to those programs where they're strong athletic ones. You know, I made a point. Are we going to see Loyola Chicago become the next Vince Carter? You can. See, oh, did you see that? He rejection? needed some
1: ups there. His his knees are getting a little sore, even and in Vince, this video game.
0: While we were on our timeout, Vince Carter's a seventy-two in this game. He, can you imagine when NBA 2K first came out, what Vince Carter's rating was? But now he's just a What his dunk rating was. Yeah. It's over, as he said. Um, but it's good to see that programs like a Michigan are kind of hanging in there. Um, you know, I think the one that stands out the most is Oregon State beating Loyola, who was this big sort of – the. People get behind Loyola, especially their Final Four run, but Oregon State is only in their second Pac-12 appearance since 1990, and they were picked to finish dead last in the Pac-12. So, um, watching that there's been a lot of parody for you're not stuck with who you are. Normally, what do we see in college basketball? Kentucky good, Kansas good, North Carolina, and Duke is always on TV, and this year, not so much. So, um, the West Coast teams, USC, as an update, live score update right now. USC is currently losing 49 to 30 to Gonzaga. So as much as we have all these different teams doing all this different stuff, has I, you said it in the last segment, has anyone played anyone really good? You know, Alabama and their success, Florida state and their success, their conferences were horrible this year. Um, Yeah. Their conferences
1: for sure. Got, got, uh, you know, uh, definitely exposed here in the tournament. Yep. Here we go, trying to trying to make a, trying to make a little run at you here, Rutledge. Um, but yeah, no, I think yeah, it's interesting you you bring that up, right? And the other piece to remember is you have teams like you know not just like uh, Duke and Kentucky that didn't even make the tournament. That was a nice dunk. That was really nice. Uh, dunk. But UCLA you know, making this great run as an 11 seed, right? Pa- power that you know, has never been a power really as long as I've been alive. Uh, but, you know, that's pretty sweet to have UCLA in the Elite Eight because when you think college basketball, blue blood, in a lot of ways, you know, a down UCLA slump time would be like when if Alabama ever goes on a slump ever again. That's, that's what it'll feel like because of the dominance that they had. So... um Definitely exciting to see how how this March Madness tournament will uh, finish out. I think, uh, I know we're going to chat a little bit more, but I think, uh, you know, the right side of the bracket, as that final four matchup's already set, I really think that we're going to see a lot of fun matchups here uh, as this tournament finishes out. And really, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? The last year, March Madness was the first big tournament that got canceled, and now, you know, we're about ready to crown a champion in basketball for the first time in two years, or college basketball,
0: I should say. It'll be good to see, but I'm with you. That, Baylor Ar- excuse me, that Baylor-Arkansas game is going to be a treat to watch, and I think that will really be a showing of who is for real. Does Baylor put Arkansas away heavy-handedly, or is Arkansas the real deal? So um well that's, that's i think the that question for the tournament the whole time
1: and i think that um not to steal your thunder here i think baylor already might have showed that as they uh beat our Ar- did did beat arkansas last night
0: i'm glad they stole my thunder who are they playing then in the final four why am i embarrassing <sighs> myself on twitch
1: they are playing um they're gonna be playing houston
0: in the final uh, four blooper reels this is this is blooper reels well, when you said Arkansas, you meant to say Houston. I meant Houston. I meant
1: I would not say they're the same thing. My apologies, everyone. You know, one of the fun things about University of Arkansas I was that I was at that campus a couple weeks ago. Near their football stadium, like their fraternity row is like right next to their football stadium.
0: That's awesome. Like
1: like literally right next to their football stadium. <sighs> well... And duking it out as the Charlotte Bobcats Hornets fighting Alonzo. Mornings took the lead as we head into halftime here with friend Stream Sports.
0: Definitely, halftime hot takes. Rutledge's hot takes. Rutledge doesn't is not reading his notes. Um. Well, while we watch the NBA two K halftime report, our halftime hot take tonight on Tuesday eight o'clock. Friends Stream Sports. Find us on podcasts, Twitch, not on Facebook because they don't want us. But Find us where you need it. Connor, our halftime hot take topic tonight is who is going to win the final four with the teams that are remaining? And I'm going to safely say that the, hofts, the teams that are going to play, is, of course, we have Baylor versus Houston. Not and, Arkansas. Not Arkansas because Arkansas lost. And then we have Gonzaga versus who? I'm going to say Michigan. So out of those four, who's winning it and going to your championship game?
1: I mean, it, it, as I, as I said before, as uh, with all these upsets that we've seen, we're still going to have chalk for the finals. I, I'm I'm calling Baylor Gonzaga, with Gonzaga cutting down the nets here in a couple days.
0: I am calling Baylor Gonzaga, but I am staying with as I have it on my brackets. I have Baylor. I think they just have that complete team and they're gonna make it work. So definitely going Baylor. There we go. Those are some hot takes. Those are hot takes. As we head into the hot third quarter. Very tied up ball game. Uh close only one only two points. As Connor is all over the court, totally untouched. Alright, so our NBA topic this week is we're going to talk about the very team on here, the Atlanta Hawks. As I mentioned last week, with a coaching change that they went through. And if you haven't seen it, Connor and I actually talked about who should be the Atlanta Hawks next coach. But the Hawks went on an 8-0 streak. That streak skidded a little bit. But their current record is they're 23-3. They're 6 in the East. Oh, pull up, Trey Young. you got to do it. They're 6 in the East. And they are 11-9 and at home and 12-14 and 14 on the road. Uh, their next schedule is coming up starting tonight. They have Phoenix, they play the Spurs, they play the Pellies, and they play the Warriors. Um, some big names to note for anyone of you that hasn't had time. Staring down at the Hawks is obviously Trey Young. He is their scoring leader, um, and he's actually third in the league for assists. Did you know that his number of assists per game is above um, Chris Paul? I did not know that. Yes, so Trey Young actually—that's pretty. That's pretty big. He—that is pretty big, considering Chris Paul crossed the ten thousand mark this week. Uh, someone else also is John Collins does well for them, but they have a pretty solid team. So Connor, where do you see these Hawks landing this year? You know, I—I'm
1: one of those. I'm one of those people, and I'm—I'm going to do a cross sport take, but I'll get there. I'm one of those people when you think about quarterbacks for example you got about three quarterbacks that can go win a Super Bowl everybody else you're either trying to put the players around them to win a Super Bowl or you're about ready to draft your next quarterback you know there was a trade that the Hawks just made that I want to talk and get your your take on but you know they traded Rajon Rondo for Lou Williams and a big trade everyone was you know all up in arms about it and I'm kind of thinking for what why does that matter? I don't see the Hawks. I see the Hawks maybe making it out of the first round, depending on their, uh, depending on their, uh, you know, who their matchup ends up being. But after that, I mean, nobody. In so many ways, you got the big three in the East, right? You've got, you've got Philly, you've got Brooklyn, and you've got Milwaukee. And if you're not making moves to get into a position to beat one of those three teams, why bother? I, I don't know. Call me call me a little bit of a pessimist here this evening, but I am uh I am not I'm not into what the Hawks are selling these days. I think that I think Trey Young is really good and I think they've got a couple good young pieces, but at the end of the day, um you know the last thing I would like to see is somebody like a Trey Young really, really struggle and waste a lot of his career and then end up kind of being a journeyman guy that at the end of his career gets to be a part of a championship winning team.
0: I am we're split on this one tonight. I'm actually really enjoying what the Hawks are putting down. I think the Clint Capella trade that they had back in February has been what they needed. He leads the league in rebounds and that's what you kind of need. I think Trey young, as you say, the quarterback piece. Um, Trey young is definitely sort of that piece to build a franchise around and their coaching change is, has look, bacon uh their coaching change has helped them have sort of a revival in their roster is this their year i think the the ceiling for them is to be a six a four through six seed because four through six right now are all in a very tight window they're all like one or two games apart of records um so i see them finishing a six seed not have to play the play-in round to the playoffs and having that first play in by I think they have a lot of the good pieces but so then what you lose to the Milwaukee Bucks in five maybe right I think that I think they could it depends on what they're going to do with the rest of their schedule I think their schedule especially this week is very telling Um, how do they do against Phoenix tonight do they hang in there or do they get absolutely pummeled Um, do they be Golden State but then again that Golden State win isn't massive because Golden State has shown this year that if they don't have Curry they don't have much. So uh, I think that if this team, if they're not this year, they're in a position, if they get the right leadership to and maybe it, some other pieces, they can go in the next direction. But I don't see them as the Hawks of old or the Hawks of the past couple decades um, where they're struggling to be an eight seed in the playoffs and they get swept in four. I think this team is really starting to turn the corner. So I like this team. I have faith. This is my last week of called out. This is the one that you kind of need to watch. And this is the one you kind of need to see where they're going. Have, uh, have the Hawks ever played in a finals? I don't think the Hawks have ever played in a finals or if they did, it was a while ago. These are moments when we need a producer, Connor.
1: We, oh yeah, we need, uh, yeah, we definitely need a producer. Because it's really Maybe hard I to... could ask Ronan to be our producer.
0: Is Ronan good with looking up stats? Or is Ronan, Ronan just saying Ronan can look up woof. stats. Or Ronan just says woof. I mean, he,
1: Ronan has a hard time to communicate the stats, but he can at least look them up. Ronan used to try to
0: sabotage the show when he tried to eat your headset.
1: Well, he is... Ronan has indeed tried to sabotage the show a little bit this evening by running over the cord Again? of my headset. Oh, but, Um, you know, it, it, it. producer Ronan really just trying to keep us on our toes here. So, um, no, I don't know. I think it's kind of like in the West, right? If that move where the Hawks traded Rondo for Lou Williams, you know, I think made a lot more sense for the Clippers and for the Hawks. Um, you know, I think trying to and, – and the one – speaking of needing a producer, the one thing I don't know off the top of my head is – you know is is it a situation where they're just trying to get some salary dump or get a couple pieces for another for another big trade right you know speaking of Milwaukee maybe a guy like a Giannis would want to come to Atlanta and team up with a guy like Trey Young you know i think i think there's a variety of things to think about and I, because i mean Atlanta is Atlanta gets talked about so many times like this also ran sports market. And Atlanta is the number one sports market, you know, in the Southeast. There are so many, it's like the state of Alabama's professional teams are the Atlanta teams, you know? So I think that, I think that the, I I would love to see long-term and kind of be in that room long-term with what the Hawks were thinking as they are understanding that Trey Young is a generational type talent. Could be a generational type talent, and they got to really make this happen because uh, they don't want to lose some peak years of a generational talent or have him leave early.
0: Right. So let's switch gears here. I have the NBA standings in front of me, and here's the way the East is shaking down, where there are a lot of teams that have similar records, and this is either they have a 23 win they basically have 23 wins. And these are the teams with those records in the East, starting with fourth seed is Charlotte, then New York, then Atlanta, then Boston, then Miami. And Indiana is 21 and 24. So out of all of those teams, I feel comfortable in saying, I see Atlanta finishing above all those teams in the standings. They were in fourth last week. So this whole part of the East from four through eight is dicey. And Miami has shown that they have just bubble hangover they left their gumption in disney world then they've had a lot of stuff go sideways for them depth wise but out of all those teams where it's four through eight have similar records where do you put the hawks finishing let's see hawks
1: versus knicks uh i'd I'd put the hawks over the knicks hawks over four through six so we're looking so the celtics are not in that list
0: the Celtics are—they're the seven seed. They're one seed below. Um, they're one seed below Atlanta.
1: I think that the Celtics really could turn it around uh, because some of the depth that they added. That you know, I mentioned Evan Fournier. It was not a uh, a starter on a good team. Evan Fournier could sure as heck come off the bench and make a really big time impact along with Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown. And they have, you know, Celtics will have Kemba Walker coming back uh, from injury. I could see the Celtics making a run, um, you know, and I kind of put this game right here, a Charlotte-Atlanta to push. But I I would say for sure uh, they're above the Knicks.
0: Okay. So you would have the Knicks as the four seed, then the Hawks as the five seed, and then you would say Charlotte. I'd have Boston at four. We'll go Boston at Boston,
1: Hawks uh Charlotte and then New York uh the
0: Knicks. Okay. I would go I would actually go Hawks, Charlotte, then the Knicks and then I would go I put Miami over Boston and then have um Boston sit at 8. Based on what Ooh. we've seen out of everyone this year. I think that Boston is really sort of you know we said it Brad Stevens it was one of our preseason things. Brad Stevens has really kind of been giving away the farm and when is that not going to work he's doing the bill o'brien experiment but in basketball and it seems like it's catching up to him a little bit at least this year as they sit at 23 and 24 um three and five in their division that we need to yeah so we'll it'll be interesting
1: to see rutledge how do you think the uh, this next week for the hawks is gonna is gonna end up
0: uh, I see them with their schedule. Remember, their schedule is Phoenix, Spurs, Pellies, and Warriors. I can see them going out of four games, three and one with a loss to Phoenix. Ooh,
1: one and three. Heard it here first. Hot takes. Oof. Actually, no, I take that back. Two and two. I think I think they're going to beat the uh, – I think they can beat the Pellies. Uh, Spurs are pretty good, and – I've become more and more of a Suns fan as this season has progressed. I think, I think the Suns can uh, really heat it up out West.
0: Yeah. I don't think they have, I think the Suns hot take on my side. I think the Suns are going to be the team to beat in the West. When we go to the playoffs, they'll even knock down the jazz. That would be, uh, that would be good. The Suns sit second in the West right now.
1: So yeah, for sure. So, you know, we'll, uh, You know, we will be enjoying as this season progresses. That's for sure.
0: As seasons progress and as we're hopping into progressing seasons, uh, it's time to hop into soccer time, Connor. The MLS released their schedule and their season is starting April 16th uh, with plans on ending November 7th. And then they will have the playoffs coming for uh, starting November 19th. So how are you feeling geared up for some MLS soccer? I
1: am very excited for MLS. Uh, I, it is very sad to have yet another American star. In, in terms of MLS, it's very sad to have yet another American star leave the league. As we get to wave goodbye to Jordan Morris, and I get to wave goodbye to that pass. Uh, Jordan Morris, of course, left the Seattle Sounders, went to the uh, went to Swansea City in the Championship. Another player that is playing uh, over in england from mls daryl dk of our beloved orlando city lions Um, no i think you know one of the really fun things that i have come to really like about mls is i always say you know it's it's not like the best quality league right like you can be a fan of mls and say that but there's always a ton of parody you never really i mean you never really know Who's gonna be good, who's gonna not be so good at the beginning of the season? There's a ton of travel, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of things to go on there. So very excited. I I'm working on my Orlando City takes. I'm excited to bust those out as our conversation continues and as the season continues. But uh yeah, how how are you feeling, Rutledge about this uh this summer heating up soccer wise?
0: I am I'm not excited to be sitting at Orlando City games in July because those are Oh, been... they'll be at night. They'll be eight o'clock games. They, they need to be because there's been a couple nooners where even just watching it on TV, the seats hurt you. They just look so hot. Those purple seats absorb all the sun. Um, <laughs> That's I am, true. I'm definitely excited because I feel like the league, especially now with adding Austin MLS is definitely starting to garner stronger national attention. And it's been around for a while, but people are sort of getting into the league and the country sort of knowing how to market it better. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I pulled some preseason favorites off of just MGM bet. So you can use these to make your wagers. But preseason favorites are uh, LAFC, the Sounders, Columbus Crew, which uh, Columbus beat Seattle last year, NYCFC, and then tied for fifth is Philly and Toronto. So that's um, that's a daunting east side of the conference with a lot of favorites they'll be definitely Yeah, big. no. I
1: Yeah, I think yeah, you know, uh Philly Philly is always a very interesting team in my opinion because it just is an organization they never make the big splashes, right? You you always can tell the flavor of some of those organizations. You know, the biggest splashes Philly will make will be US men's national team players uh you know, or or younger players um, on their roster, but they're they're always they're always pretty solid, right? Um you know, NYCFC uh, would be interesting to see how they respond. I, I think both teams from New York are always a fun follow. Uh, just not only, just kind of their culture and their flavor,
0: things like that. I was really
1: sad to see, not hear you say Orlando.
0: Sadly, Orla- Orlando, I believe, is the number six favorite. So they're a favorite in the top ten of bets for a championship, and they've been doing a lot of big moves and bringing over a lot of players. Um of course, you don't know, the Orlando City coach actually used to coach. He was in – help me, Connor, I blanked. He was in Houston.
1: He was in Dallas. Oh, he was, he was Dallas. the old
0: FC Dallas coach. He was in Dallas when they made their run and when they started really become a big deal. So we, as a faithful, are very excited. Um, when you say Orlando, the first team I like to think of is Atlanta. And Orlando had a Atlanta did not have a good showing, actually fired their coach and has a new coach. So I'll be interested to see how they bounce back and what they do.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um Atlanta they you know they sold Miggy Almiron uh you know to Newcastle and then Joseph Martinez, who that guy that guy's a warrior. Uh he has made me say not so many kind things to him before at Orlando City Atlanta games, Uh, you know, but he, you know, he gets hurt last year. And as I've said before, your best plays tend to work when your best players are there. And Atlanta just kind of ran out of good players. And, you know, some of the systems that they try to run, uh, you know, possession-based 4-3-3, which is what their first coach uh, really tried to do, you know, you, you need very skilled players, right? I think MLS you get a lot of just athletic players that'll run uh kind of all over the place. And you're making quite a run here, Rutledge.
0: We're really um, pushing it.
1: But, you know, I think that was I think that was one thing that Atlanta struggled with was, you know, when when they had less skilled players and more of kind of your standard MLS quality players. What what's what's that gonna do for you? And, you know, we found out what will happen. So it was definitely nice to see Orlando beat Atlanta for the first time. I was definitely into that.
0: That was that was a very good feeling. It reminded me of when I went to an Orlando-Atlanta game in Atlanta. And as I was getting frustrated, as you do, uh, I remember Atlanta fans saying, just feel bad for him. And it felt so good to finally beat them. Absolutely.
1: So... Uh, have you been following the or, some of the moves Orlando City has been making this year?
0: I I have, but I'm sure that our our listeners haven't. So, uh, Connor, take them through that, and then let's save a little time as well to talk about some gains that maybe we're going to excited to watch on the schedule. For sure, for sure. So, I mean, really, the big move they brought in a uh, player named Pato, uh,
1: older older fella. Uh, he's in his thirties, but has had many many stops around Europe. Uh, should be used primarily as sort of, you know, we'll get starts from time to time, maybe come off the bench, Uh, just adding some more offensive depth. He's really been the biggest signing so far for Orlando City this offseason. You know, Nani's staying around. And, you know, I would say that that's just the one thing I want to make sure we, we give a shout out to Pato. So Orlando now has... The duck, which pato is Portuguese for duck, uh, Galece is known as el pulpo or the octopus, uh, and then urso, uh, uh, our one of our defensive midfielders, that is Portuguese for bear. So we've got a duck, an octopus, and a bear on the Orlando City roster. So definitely excited for that. Um, Rutledge, speaking of that, right? Orlando City starts April seventeenth against Atlanta. So right out of the shoots there's uh not going to be any love lost but the, really the first big game that I'm oh, first big game that I'm excited about outside of this game that you've now taken the lead on there we go uh is Inter Miami on June 25th that is I th- I think that the Orlando Miami derby is going to really heat things up
0: it it's really big and I'm excited to finally have a rival in state as the state of Florida being so big it's good to have someone around for us to play. Of course last year Miami did not look good. Um and you know, we watched them. Connor and I jumped up in the air and hugged each other when Orlando beat Miami in the bubble tournament at ESPN wide world of sports. But the big thing, Connor, that I always think of when I think Miami is they just seem to be the name that comes up in every sports star where you hear uh Ronaldo or other names maybe they'll come and come to Miami. So what's your take on having other stars come just to hang out with David Beckham and go to South beach? You know, I think that I think that there are a
1: few here's, here's some things that Miami has going for it. Number one is that it's an international city. Uh, So, you know, I think that there's folks that are going to, you know, maybe a Ronaldo or a Messi I mean, that A, have probably spent a lot of time in Miami already and can feel very comfortable there. Uh, two, I think that you've, you're going to have some really quality, um, you know, I think big city, right, a lot of buzz, um, you know, on that on that front. I think that it's going to be important for Miami to win because, you know, if you're looking for international, an international city with a lot of buzz – why don't you just go play for LAFC? They're already crushing it, and they have Will Ferrell as sort of their superfan, who I kind of think Will Ferrell is cooler than David Beckham. Uh, you know, that's I a, think... That's a hot take. Uh, that it, I think, yeah. Uh, I, so, you know, and it, when Kaká came to the MLS, I mean, he didn't have to go play in New York. He had other relationships, uh, things like that. So it'll be... The one thing that'll be interesting... Well, just to be to see if, you know, if it's if if there's like a Manchester United kind of pipeline that comes in or if there is a, you know, English kind of former English national team that comes in. And I could tell that my take was so hot and you had you were so mesmerized that um, you got a five second violation here with 26 seconds left here on Friends stream Sports. So excited to have you out. Yeah, I, I would say the biggest games that I'm excited about, Rutledge, are going to be are going to be that some of those inter Miami games, the Derbies, the Atlanta United games, uh and then then, you know, uh some of those just traditional top teams in the East, some of those teams that you know are gonna be you know, be be in there at the end. Your your Toronto's or your Phillies. Um yeah. So those are some of my thoughts.
0: I'm a, I'm big on the excitement about also that MLS does something that you and I believed in very well in sports, which is branding and taking time to take Rivalry Week, and that they call August 21st Rivalry Weekend, and that's where Columbus and Seattle are going to play. And that's where New York City, uh, that's where NYCFC, and that's where the Red Bulls are going to play. so. I like that MLS is starting to take that branding about it, as this is a crucial inbounding of the ball as we go into this this possession, and Connor just lobs it up there, hoping for the best. yacked it up, it. no good. But I'm with you. You know, what are those top things across the league going to look like? Um, how does this year with the fan experience go? As MLS was the first the first sport to come back, and now we're back. And then how does it go with, does the fan experience normalize? What are their COVID protocols look like as people start getting vaccines? Um, basketball, of course, is such a passionate sport that when you're in it, you don't just love, or not basketball, soccer is such a passionate sport that when you're in it, like others, you love your team and you support them. Um, as an Orlando fan, it feels really good to have us make a bunch of roster moves and make a bunch of other moves because we – have been to liken it, the Cleveland Browns of the MLS, to where you think they're going to be good, and they're not. And that's just kind of how we live here on I-4 Corridor. But overall, super hyped about it. Um, The one team that has not been sort of favored this year, which is interesting, is you don't hear a lot about the Portland Timbers. And Portland, of course, won the MLS's back cup. But... (laughs) Where are they going to go this year? How far are they going to go? Who's going to take the West? Does Seattle hold it? Um, why? You know, How well does Austin do? I think that's where if there's some parity I want to see in soccer is that the teams that have kind of been good stay good in the organizations, but you've had Nashville come in, New York City, um, Orlando, Miami, now Austin, Cincinnati, who was not on my list for top favorites. So how do we see a new team kind of arise? And how yeah, do you, see you know, uh, of I, I think that Atlanta uh, really
1: broke the mold in terms of, you know, in terms of teams coming in and, and being really good. Uh, or, we were hoping, obviously, for Orlando, uh, you know, for that to be the case. But, you know, we we obviously didn't get to see that. And I think that... Uh, Austin, I mean, Austin will probably struggle. They'll probably look a little bit more like Cincinnati than the, uh, than Atlanta or NYC, who did make the playoffs as well their first year. You know, I think it's difficult. The The big thing, Rutledge and I remember, uh, one of the things that you always like to talk about is, you know, the, the quote Madden rule doesn't work all the time, right? You're, you're, Uh, just putting all the big players in at the same time, that's not not a thing. So as we finish out this game here, and I'm fighting till the very end because I'm a fighter, Rutledge. You are
0: are fouling as much as you possibly can.
1: Got to, got to, got to. And with Trey Young on the line, we'll see, he's got a little bald spot. Uh, So I think that it'll be, I think that Austin games will be a lot of fun to see for sure. Uh, and, And it'll be interesting to see how that fan base continues to evolve. What is the over
0: under, wait, total, total segment disruption. What is the over under on how many keep Austin weird references are at the Austin home games? Oh, so many. Give me a number. Like what's the line?
1: I would say that there will be at least three signs in the stadium per game.
0: Okay. I'm taking the over on that, by the way. I think three is the line, but I'd take the over. And you took the over on me tonight. There we go. Relage starts to make some quests. So before we go, as we had some soccer talk, some casual talk on front stream sports, we're going to pick a couple games. One of them, I think our picks is obvious, but tonight, 10 o'clock Eastern, the Hawks play the Suns. Uh, I'm going Suns. Connor, who are you going? Phoenix Suns. Yeah, Phoenix Suns, I think, will take it. But I think this will be this will be where Atlanta will prove, are they what I said, to where they have it together and they can make a run? Or are they what you said to where it's not their time and thanks for playing. Um then the other game this week, tomorrow night, ten o'clock Eastern, the Milwaukee Bucks play the Los Angeles Lakers, but keep in mind there is no A D and no LeBron James. Ooh, I'm
1: going I'm going Milwaukee Bucks in that one. No A D, no LeBron. Uh the Lakers have de- <laughs> The Lakers are seemingly okay with resting their You know, they're studs because they're hurt, obviously, but uh, they need to start winning some games soon.
0: Yep, I agree with you there. The Lakers do need to start winning some games. They currently sit fourth in the West, and it is showing that they don't have the team they had last year. Um, With LeBron and AD out, they are really sort of exposed. So I am going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. We are not picking a NASCAR race this week because NASCAR is on a bye week. We will pick the Martinsville race poll winner, which will be next will be on uh, April tenth next week. That's gonna be a night race, Connor. Night racing in NASCAR is always a good time. So we'll pick always. the pole winner for that.
1: But always it... Poll winner. Um, you know, I'm, I, I can't go wrong with a little Joey Logano action.
0: Okay, I'm gonna wait next week until they come back. But you can you take that Joey Logano take. We'll do that. Let's do it. I'm going to stick with it too. You stick with it. So just knowing for next week, you already have a jump on the show, everybody. All right. Well, before we sign off, Connor, is there anything you'd like to say to the people?
1: You know, keep Austin weird and keep yourself
0: safe. There you go. Thank you for coming out tonight and also checking out our podcast. Make sure to find us on YouTube and Twitch. We've been friends, stream sports. I'm Rutledge And and have a great night.